Today's uh, scripture reading will be from 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, verses uh, 16 through 28. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible, that is on page 303 and 304. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine, and so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead, while that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and get half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please my Lord, give her the living baby, don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him, cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling, give the living baby to the first woman, do not kill him, she is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Good morning. What a story of wisdom. If you're visiting with us this morning, we welcome you. And we are excited about the study that we're involved in this month about wisdom. Most of us, and hopefully all of us in this congregation, have made a commitment that by the end of this month, we plan to have more wisdom than when we began. And we plan to be on a journey, a spiritual journey, that we are devoted and dedicated to living wise in our life in every aspect. You being here is an encouragement to us. We hope that you'll come back throughout this month and be a part of this study that all of us can grow together in wisdom. And if you're a mother, happy Mother's Day. Most of us can truthfully say where in the world would we be without the mothers that have given birth to us and influenced us so much in our lives. This morning, if it's convenient for you, if sometime in the last year you have given birth, you've brought a child into your family in the last year, and you can fudge it a little bit if it's 13 or 14 or 15 months, we're not really particular, but why don't you stand for a moment? And that way, after services, everybody around can, uh, can uh, wish you Happy Mother's Day. Stand if you're a, a, a new mother. There you go. All right. Happy Mother's Day. Be sure and wish these mothers Happy Mother's Day. And to those of you that have been mothers for a lot of decades, we wish you a Happy Mother's Day. What a blessing mothers are. You know, it, it's interesting to think how mothers are really, if there's anyone on this earth that is superhuman-like, 
we would have to agree that it's mothers. You know, they, they can see, and they can see in all directions. You know, they think that it's mythical that they have eyes in the back of their head, but, you know, all kids have checked underneath their mama's hair to see if they're really there because they really see things that they just shouldn't be able to see, and they can hear like supersonic. I mean, it's amazing. A child can whisper on the other side of the earth, and a mother can hear. It's really amazing. And then they're like Goliath strength. If you don't think a mother is, is almost superhuman in their strength, let her be put to bed for a week with the flu and the whole house falls apart. The whole family can't carry out what the one woman can do. It is amazing. And then they're like a search engine. You can bring to them whatever problems you have and they seem to know exactly how to answer it what we need, what we need emotionally, what we need if we need a kiss, we need a hug, we need a little bit of rebuking, we need a little bit of correcting, we need an extra word of encouragement. It's just amazing how loving mothers seem to always know exactly what to say. And so to each of you mothers, we're thankful for you. And especially, we want to encourage you to continue to have the influence uh, that would lead your children closer to God. Think about wisdom. What if every mother, every mother could say, honestly say, I gave everything I could to be a wise mother. Think how different the world would be. Think if every child grew up with the influence of a wise mother. We just heard a story. That You know why we read that story. Both reasons why. One, because we're studying wisdom. The second one is because today is Mother's Day, where as a nation, so much attention is brought, and that's good. We give honor to whom we should give honor. But isn't it interesting that a very great part of the wisdom that was revealed here, it was revealed as two mothers argued about which one gave birth to the living child. It's really a sad story, and can you imagine the weight of responsibility that Solomon had on his shoulders as he had to give a verdict? Now think about this. He was going to give a judgment, and based on his judgment, a, a baby was going to go home with its mother, or a baby was going to be stolen away from its mother based solely off of the word of Solomon. Now, maybe you look and say, I'm glad that I don't have that kind of heavy responsibility, but pause there for a moment. All of us has influence. And all of us say things on a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis that heavily and greatly impacts the lives of others. Maybe it may not seem like it's as much as Solomon in this particular story, but you think about the things that you say to your children. Do you continually say things that are wise, that'll guide them through life? Or could you honestly say, you know, I, I haven't really ever thought if I say things that are wise to my children. That's what we're wanting to do this month is, is pull back that covering that the world and that Satan wants to throw over wisdom. And Satan tries to convince us it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. A baby could be stolen from its mama if there wasn't for the wisdom of God. You can have your children and lead them completely in the wrong direction if it is not for the wisdom of God. And we can apply that to every relationship. What about his spouses? Do you live in a wise way with your spouse? What about coworkers? Do you live in wisdom as you make decisions and as you influence and impact the life of, of a coworker? What about employee-employer relationships? 
Do you say things and do things that build up and encourage them? Or do you do things that, that tear them down? And somebody say, oh, it's not a big deal. Wait a minute. We're talking about lives. To God, it's a big deal. God is concerned if we are wise in the way we conduct our affairs. The last time you went to a customer service desk, did you handle it wisely? The last time you had a disagreement with your banker, did you handle it wisely? Listen, there is not a situation you and I will ever find ourselves in that God is not concerned with whether or not we handle it wisely. This story reminds us of how great the impact of wisdom can be. And by application, we ought to take that and apply it to our life and realize that wisdom has impact upon every decision that we make. When we look at this great story, I want you to notice here that if we talk about wisdom in general, we oftentimes create a, a topic in our mind, a line of thinking in our mind that we sometimes struggle to define. And so what I want us to do this week and perhaps even a little bit more next week is I want us to just continually break down the topic of wisdom from the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying to you we're going to find a passage that says here are three aspects of wisdom. Here are four great characteristics of wisdom. But what we do see is as we continue to read about wisdom, there are three or four words that continually reappear. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look this morning and I want us to see how even in this one chapter, we see this concept appearing once in this story, then backing up to see where did this wisdom come from? It appears again. And then next week, we'll go over to the book of Proverbs, what you read this week in the first seven chapters. By the way, will you read the next seven chapters? Or if you choose, now jump over and start reading the day of the month being the chapter that you read. And so read seven more chapters this week in Proverbs. And as you read them, could I, could I lay this out for you just, just quickly to think about? And again, I'm not saying we're going to read passages that just in a real clean cut way break this down. But this is what I believe that 1 Kings 3 is teaching us. I believe the passages you and I read this week in Proverbs teaches us this. And, and, and to me, this is huge in understanding wisdom. There are three things that reoccur in the study of wisdom, and it's the topic of knowledge. And the knowledge that we want to have is not a worldly knowledge, because that would give us worldly wisdom. And James 3 says that exists. But we don't want worldly wisdom. We want godly wisdom, so we're going to need godly knowledge. What does God say about any particular matter? But then also what we need, <clears throat> we need understanding. Can you properly understand what is happening around you? The next time you and your child disagree, are you going to be so bullheaded that you go into the disagreement completely thinking, I understand everything here. You know what young people so oftentimes say, and I'm not trying to take up and say, young people are always right or perfect. But listen, young people will often, one of the reoccurring statements young people make is, my parents will not listen to me. I try to explain to them what I'm going through or I try to explain to them why I see something different. They will not listen. Listen, if you can't understand what is really happening in the lives of people that you share relationships with, you're going to have a misunderstanding, period. No way around it. And so we need to learn to understand what is really happening. You're going to read the word understanding over and over anytime you study about wisdom. How can you take God's knowledge that he has said 
and apply it to the situation that is under, at, at hand that now hopefully you understand. And to apply that is oftentimes in the scriptures called discretion. Can you make decisions on how to apply God's wisdom to the situation at hand? And when you do that, David Burke emailed me a, a Psalms this week that talked about wisdom and it, and it used the word prudence. Well, see, that's, when you can make decisions, applying God's knowledge properly to what is happening in life, that's prudence. That's discretion at its best. So let's try to look through this. And you know this is a long chapter, so we can't break down everything of this. But I'd like for you to look at the things that, that we, we see especially about this. Let's go down to the third chapter in 23. And let's run back through just a few things that the king said as he was going to work through this. Because you know what I fear that I would do? I can just almost assure you, if I hadn't read this story and this happened to me, I know David Shannon well enough. I'd have made a mess of this situation. And here's what I would have said. I would have said in my mind, I need to continue to drill these ladies for the next hour or two, and I'm going to catch one of them in lies. And then I'm going to figure out, isn't it interesting he never asked them one question? Isn't that amazing? Listen, he was wise. He showed us how practical wisdom can be, how powerful wisdom can be. He also showed us how simple wisdom can be, and he showed us how wisdom, when it is at its best, godly wisdom, you can't miss it. It is so noticeable. It makes an impact upon everyone's life. And so now let's drop back to the third chapter in 23 and see how this all came about. Let's read this again. The king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. What did he do there? If you've ever uh, been in counseling, if you've ever studied counseling, what he did was he summarized the situation. In counseling, it is a very important concept and, and here, here's where we need to drop it now, that, that idea of in counseling. And all I mean by that is sometimes that's the only place we learn it. And that's a shame because it didn't come from some kind of psychology department. It came from the Word of God. People that live wise lives, they summarize conversations. They summarize situations so that they can make sure they understand the situation. You see, he simply summarized it. Okay, this is what this woman is saying. This is what this woman is saying. That would have given either one of the women the opportunity to say, no, 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 you completely misunderstood me. He didn't misunderstand them, did he? He understands the situation. How important is it to understand situations? If I have said this once, I've said it a thousand times, maybe 10,000. Do not ever make a decision until you've gathered all the facts you can gather. Why do you gather all the facts you can gather? Because you want to properly understand situations. You can't take God's knowledge and apply it to a situation that you misunderstand and come out with a wise decision. Now, I want to I state that again to make sure we have it. Even though you say, oh, I know what God says. If you take God's knowledge and you apply it to a situation you misunderstand, you still will come out with a foolish outcome. Our perception is just that. It's our perception. And oftentimes our perception is not reality. That's why we need to take the time to say, do I understand? That's the first place he started here. He started by saying, I just, I want, I want to talk this out. I want to make sure that I understand this situation. Now look what he says in 24. 
Now the discretion jumps in immediately. He doesn't ask questions. He says, I've made a decision. Here's my decision. I'll state it in two, two commands. Number one, bring me a sword. They brought it to him. Look at 25. The king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. That may not have been the decision you and I would have made, but that was a discretion he made and it was a powerful one because notice there is something that Solomon knows that goes all the way back to almost the creation of time and that is the maternal instinct of a woman to protect her child at any cost even if it meant her giving up her child to another woman so that that child could live Solomon knew knew knowledge he knew the maternal instinct that God had created notice how this knowledge is applied Verse 26, the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned. See, that's that maternal instinct, yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. Now the very uh, same verse, but the, the other woman said, oh, let, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. See, that wasn't a maternal instinct speaking. And, and this artistic rendering that we see here, I don't know how you picture this in your mind, but on this next slide here, we see that what, what some artists had pictured to, to say, hey, here are two women, and, and they're arguing before Solomon, and they're, they're laying out their case. I only show you that to say, this happened. We're not talking about a fairy tale. We're not talking about where, where God said, I want to teach you about wisdom, and I want to give you a parable. I want, to, I want to make up an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. Listen, this happened. And you say, how powerful is wisdom? Wisdom settled an important dispute that day. And wisdom has not stopped settling important disputes since that day or long before that day. And so when we go to 1 Kings, the third chapter, verse 27, the next slide, notice how this is summed up as wisdom. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. What do we have there? It, that verse we have wisdom. And in the very next verse talks about it being wisdom. The, the, the nation feared the king because they knew he had the wisdom of God. How did they know that? They watched him apply knowledge to a properly understood situation. And that discretion that he brought into all of that just magnified the concept of wisdom. Someone that does that, does what? Has knowledge of God, properly understands situations and makes the right decisions to bring those two together? They're wise. But, but who is he? Well, just anyone. If anyone strives to do that, all you gotta do is say, I want the knowledge of God, I want to say, not really. Wisdom is something we live out. It's not just a product on a shelf where an evil person says, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to continue being an evil person, but I'm just going to buy me a couple of large packages of wisdom, godly wisdom, and I'm just going to bring them and, and I'm going to sprinkle them into my life. It doesn't work that way. We're not talking about something you write on your to-do list and you say, oh, today I'm just going to work on being wise. Even though it's definitely worth us pursuing, you read verses about that this week, seek her out like a treasure. But what I want you to see in these next few verses, and we're going to back up earlier in this chapter if you have your Bible open, we're going to read what led this man to be this wise. And what we see is it wasn't just an exercise of pick up a product somewhere or just do these three things, but it was about him and about what he requested from God. So what we're going to see is we're going to see two points that's made about the person. Then we're going to see two points about the response that God gave to him and then close with the condition of it. Let's drop back. 
and just jump into uh, the fifth verse. I know we're skipping a little bit and, and really some important things, but for time's sake, we just, we just have to. And so let's drop back and I'd like to read 1 Kings, the third chapter, five through seven. And let's just notice what kind of man Solomon was. We believe he was probably about 20 years old. He had just become king. His father, David, would have just passed away. And let's notice... There at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? We studied that part last week. If God gave you one wish, you remember, you don't want to be that guy that asks for a long-legged chick with the long legs that always agrees with him. You don't want that. You want to ask for something better than that. But notice, Solomon did not jump in and say, when God said, ask something, he did not jump in and say, okay, here's what it is. Notice the gratitude that just exudes from this young man. This young man loved God and was very grateful to God at this time in his life. Now, I don't have time to develop this right now, but I'm not one of those, and I, sometimes I feel like a rare bird. I don't think Solomon was nearly as good a man as most Bible class teachers portray him. There was a lot of things wrong throughout Solomon's life. Just because God gives us something does not mean we're proper stewards of it. God gave him a humongous dose of wisdom, but he was not a proper steward. You remember in this passage we're about to read, God promised him if he would do the right things, he would give him a long life. Solomon died younger than most people that day. That tells you right there. He was not all that he was supposed to be because if he was all that he was supposed to be, a promise from God was that you'd live a long life and he didn't live a long life. But we've got to put that one on hold right now because that's not the key to our study right now. So, so let's go back here and let's see. At this young age, he was being very godly and he's being very grateful. And I'd like for you to think about the word grateful as we read verse six. Solomon said, you have shown great mercy. Now keep in mind, this is after the request of, hey, I want to give you one thing. What do you want? And he begins by saying, you've shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father. Because he, talking about David, walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued, this is still him speaking to God. God, you have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son, talking about himself, to sit on the throne on this day. What was Solomon doing here? Solomon was saying, God, I realize the only reason I'm here Hey, I am such an intelligent 20-year-old man that God has placed me here because I'm all that. You know the thing. You've seen it many times. I just want to remind you. What do you know when you see a turtle on a fence post? You know someone put him there. Solomon knew at this point in his life. He knew he was not king because Solomon was such a great guy. So God says, I'll give you anything. Give me one, one thing. What do you want? And instead of starting with that, he starts with gratitude. God, you've been so good to, to my father. My father, he's implying was such a blessing to me. I've watched my father follow you in truth and righteousness and uprightness. I'm on this fence post because of my father. But I'm also on this fence post because you have been so good, God, to my father and now to me. You've put me in this place. Listen, there's not any of us here that are self-made men or women or children. None of us. There are people that have walked before us that we don't even know their names, that have done tremendous things to heavily influence our life. And if you've never thought about one of the great things of heaven, 
I would say that's probably one of the great things of heaven. I'm talking spectacular things of heaven when all of that's going to be revealed to us and we had no idea. How have people impacted our lives that we've not met that have helped put us up on that post? But then what about all the people we have met? What about the people that our life would be completely different? And I'm talking spiritually different. If there had not been for people that helped put us on that post, Solomon, tell me anything you want. And he says, I tell you what I want. I want to begin by saying, thank you, God. I want to thank you for the people you've put in my life, like my father. I want to thank you for you putting me here. Gratitude. Now, what are we leading to? We're leading to his request for wisdom. Who really obtains wisdom in their life? People that are grateful. People that are grateful. But notice it did not just stop with gratitude. Let's go to verse 7 and notice the humility. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child and I do not know how to go in or come out. Can you imagine about a 20-year-old young man being placed as king? His father is dead. This is his kingdom now. And can you imagine him having that kind of humility? That's why he became so wise. He had so much humility that he quickly recognized that I'm your servant, God. I'm your king. And the truth is, I feel like a little child. Jesus would say about that same attitude, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he would say, I feel like a little child. What does he not know? He doesn't know how to go in and out. Any of you that have little children right now, you can appreciate this. And any of us that have had them, we can appreciate it. You are walking with your child through, through anywhere through the mall, through the grocery store, through the park, wherever you go. What are you constantly saying? If you don't have them by the hand, and think about why you have them by the hand. They don't know how to come in and out. They don't know that right up here we're going to take a right. Right over here we're going to take a left. But they have your hand, so they know how to come in and out. Or if they don't have your hand, what are you constantly saying? Hey, buddy, buddy, come on, we're going to walk over this way. Follows you there. Oh, oh, buddy, we're going, we're going out this door. Come on over here. Do you realize what Solomon was saying? I'm the king here, but I'm your king. I am like a child. I don't even know how to come in and out. Humility, when it is right, is always linked with submission. Here is a man that God has said, give me one thing. And he says, I'm grateful to you, God, because I, I don't deserve to be in this situation. You've put me on the top of this post. My father has helped put me on top of this post. I'm grateful. But I realize now I'm on top of this post. And I don't deserve to be here. And really, I'm not even capable to be here. But God, I'll remain your servant. So when you take me by the hand and you lead me this way, I'll go. And when you tell me to go that way, I'll go. You see how this relates to wisdom? If you think life is all about you, you are never going to be wise. If you think, I'm going to direct my way in life. You're never going to be wise. It takes gratitude and it takes humility to say, I want the will of God to be done in my life, no matter what. I've got a lot of decisions to make. I want God to be involved and in guiding me in every decision I make. Every one of them. Some of them may save the life of a child. And some of them may just save a day from being horrible. But I want God involved in every one of them. Well, where does that bring us? That brings us to God, we're hearing a request. Look at verse eight, your servant, in the midst of your people. See, it's still all about God. This is, I'm your servant, God, and this is your people. And by the way, by this time, a lot of scholars, and they go by censuses, they're in the Bible. A lot of scholars say that the people were probably up to four million people by this time. So a 20-year-old young man is gonna lead four million people, and he says, they're yours. 
I'm your servant. These are your people. Now let's go to verse nine. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart. See, there we are again. I want to be able to understand these people, to judge. In other words, there are going to have to be decisions made. And he uses a similar word again when he says that I may discern between what? Good and evil. When I make a decision, I don't want it to be evil. I want it to be a good decision for who is able to judge this great people of yours. And notice, so the result is, oh, and by the way, did you notice he didn't ask for wisdom right there? Now, later, God's going to say, I gave you wisdom, but I think that's powerful. You know, in Bible class situations, say, hey, what did Solomon ask for? Almost everybody says, he asked for wisdom. Technically, no. Technically, he defined wisdom. And God responded back by saying, okay, what you asked for were the characteristics of wisdom, so I gave them to you. I gave you wisdom. Beautiful thought there. Okay, so now we come to 1 Kings, the third chapter, and verse 10. The speech pleased the Lord. That literally in the Hebrew is the idea of done well. In other words, God looked down and said, you have done well. That pleases me. That's what he wanted to hear. He was thankful that he didn't ask in verse 11 for long life or riches or the life of the enemies like a lot of people would have done. And so now we come to 12 and, and continue to look at the response that God gave. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. What a beautiful thing. Now, I'd like for you to look, though, the condition that comes with that request being fulfilled by God and God's response. 1 Kings 3 and verse 14. He can have that wisdom, but notice how it is conditional. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments. See, that goes back to knowledge right there. Are you going to do what I have said to do? Are you going to walk the way I've said to walk? Are you going to walk the way I've told you to walk? Are you going to walk the way I've commanded you to walk? You see? So if, if you do this, he says, I'll lengthen your days. Now look at verse 15. Solomon awoke and indeed it had been a dream. Now this is huge. And I don't understand why. You can read commentary to commentary and they don't make big deals about, about this. Maybe it's because they're running out of end of time like I'm running out of time and I don't have time to make a big deal about it. But here's what's amazing. There are bookends in this story that is huge and hardly anybody talks about it. And I scratch my head and think, this is big. Why are we missing it? Why? Out of, you, we just read it. You just read it. Out of all this that was said, why does he, he say it here in verse 15? He woke up and, and what did he do? He came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and he offered up burnt offering, offered peace offerings and made a feast of the servants. You know why that is so big? If you have your Bible open, and I'm going to put this slide in and just fail to, but if you have your Bible open, back up to verse three and if you don't, just listen carefully to verse three. This is right before he goes into that dream and God sends him, God sends him uh, the opportunity in that dream to become wise. And notice what it says in verse three. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except, except, he was like his father, except he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. As a matter of fact, you read the next verse, he went to Gibeon and he offered a thousand sacrifices. Do you realize how big that is? A thousand sacrifices. And then you can imagine God saying, why in the world are you at Gibeon? Well, God, that's just what our people have started doing. It's real traditional for us to go to the high places. And you can flip all back through the old law. And God says, no, there's one place. There's one place you offer the offerings. Your father knew this. Why are you doing like the pagans around you? 
he literally receives this dream at Gibeon and he shouldn't even been there. And you know what he does? God says, I'll give it to you if, if you follow my commandments. He wakes up for that dream. He says, all right, pack it up, nation. We're going back to Jerusalem. Why are we going back to Jerusalem? I love worshiping here. It feels really good. Uh-uh. We're going back to Jerusalem. God said, we're going to offer sacrifice only in Jerusalem. We're offering sacrifice only in Jerusalem. I don't like that decision. Discernment, doesn't matter what you like. This is the wise thing to do. God has said it. We're applying it to these people, to this situation. The king has made a decision. We are going back to Jerusalem. Why? Can you imagine Solomon saying, I'll just be honest with you. I want to be wise. You can't make a decision from a better motive than that. Hey, Dad, why are we doing this? Son, I just want to be wise. Honey, why? I don't understand why we're making this decision. I just want us to be wise. At work. They may not understand it, but somebody says, why are we doing this? I want to be wise. And also, I don't mind being an advocate for wisdom. It's kind of hard living in a foolish world. It's hard living in a family that's foolish. It's hard living in a life that's foolish. And you know, sometimes we need those wake-up experiences where we wake up from the dream and we say, I'm in the wrong place. I might even be doing the right thing in the wrong place. But I'm in the wrong place. And I need to move. This morning, if you need to move, if we can help you in any way, if you need prayers of forgiveness or you need to be baptized into Christ, if we can help you come as we stand.